Shalom Mishpocha. Welcome to this week's Hadima uh, talk. We're going to talk about biblical initiative or personal initiative. And I have shared points of this uh, over numerous Kadima talks, but this entire session is going to deal with this specifically because it's critical and it's very important. What is initiative? It's energy or aptitude displayed in implementation of action, moving at one's own discretion, independently of outside influence or control. What we experience today in the greater body of Messiah is a serious lack of initiative, particularly among those who are leaders. Initiative also requires integrity and submission to authority. Luke 12, verse 57 says, Why don't you decide for yourselves what is the right course to follow? Romans 12, verse 2, this is in the New Living, says, Do not change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you'll be able to decide what God wants for you. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. Is there anything inherently wrong or sinful with the things that are familiar? Well, not in of itself, but remember that when Yeshua said to his disciples, follow me, he called them to leave the familiar, the familiar patterns of their lives for extended periods and to be alone and follow him. In Matthew 19, verse 27, Peter replied, look, we've left everything and followed you, so what will we have? Luke 14, verse 33 says, So every one of you who doesn't renounce all that he has cannot be my tamid, my disciple. Why does Yeshua command this? The renouncing and leaving behind of the old. Why do you gain new friends when you enter into the kingdom and your old friends, or those who don't catch fire from your own personal revival and salvation, why do they depart from you? Because Adonai Yeshua knows that humans are governed by the familiar. He must rescue us from the limitations of the temporal. Leviticus 19, verse 31 says, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. These familiar spirits, or sometimes we call these soul ties. Leviticus 20, verse 6, And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. To the detriment of the greater body, Many believers have a singular desire to become normal, to compare and judge themselves to others around them who are familiar, even secular in order to fit in. And this is, this is one of the critical areas we're talking about today, because what we're experiencing, and, and let me not uh, get caught up in semantics, we're talking about the greater body of Messiah. So we're talking about the church, we're talking about the Messianic movement, Messianic congregations. There are many that desire to fit into the surroundings, to be relevant to the world. You can be relevant to the world, but you can't look like them. We don't need to fit in with them. Matter of fact, something should be different in us than the rest of the world. To do this results in a false reality for those who seek the familiar. The desire to be like everyone else, a sense of belonging and acceptance by the secular community, put us into slavery in Egypt and death camps in Germany during the Holocaust. Without a true vision of God, we perish spiritually. Paul rebuked the body at Corinth because they walked like mere men. God does not want us normal and seeking the familiar. He doesn't ask you to be accepted into the world. He wants you to be intimate with Yeshua, to walk, act, and talk like him. If the Holy Spirit is to be free to release the fullness of God's purpose and fullness in our lives, then we must let God define our daily reality and priorities. 
Yeshua didn't come that you may be normal and fit into society. Yeshua came and died that you may be different. 1 Corinthians 3, 3, for you are all still worldly. It is evident from all the jealousy and quarreling among you that you are worldly and living by merely human standards. For those who have their reality and lives rooted in the familiar, maturity in the Lord is impossible. Familiarity leads to codependency on others and worldly things. And this, you know, and especially in America, this is the richest nation on earth, uh, we have a codependency on man and on money. Everyone seeks the riches and wealth of this nation, but that's not what we're supposed to do. Our dependency and reality must come from Adonai, not worldly circumstances or worldly surroundings or worldly people or worldly governments. As a citizen of the kingdom of God, our focus and reality must be rooted in that kingdom, heaven. Exodus 30 details how we're to approach God, where he will meet us. It requires initiative on our part, the action to admit that we are distant from him and perform the action necessary to come into his presence. All too often, believers use the familiar to ward off Holy Spirit change. When God opens a door for you, what are your first thoughts? Um, I can't. Uh, I won't. Oh, I could never do that. That's impossible. Does God know who I am? Who is your source? Is it the familiar spirits of this world or the living God of Israel? What is your trust and faith founded on? The limited resources of this world or the kingdom of God that is limitless? How we react to open doors in the kingdom of God in the tribulations of this world can be sources of great liberty and freedom, or it can be a chain of bondage to normalcy and faithlessness, which is also called apathy and complacency. The desire for normalcy has created a religious system where once a week you come to hear a pastor or a rabbi speak the word in a familiar setting with familiar songs and a familiar outline, a comfort zone. Normalcy is why we have such a hard time transitioning from the world's holidays to God's. The kingdom goal is a personal, intimate relationship with Adonai, not normalcy, the inclusion of what's normal into his realms and kingdom. Normal routines keep us from moves of God. The Ruach must be given the freedom to change our lives. This just happened. We're seeing this in the congregation. We're seeing God begin to move, but it takes us out of our comfort zone, and what we experience is change within the congregation. We see us changing how we approach things, how we do things. We see us changing as we spread our influence over the Internet and social medias. Talk is not a substitute for action, which is initiative. Are you willing to step out of the box to leave the normal behind in order to see the face of God? Are you willing to leave Egypt? James 2 verse 17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in Adonai with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him. Then he will level your paths. And again, as I said, talk is not a substitute for action. You have to step out of that box to leave the normal behind. As we grow in influence as a congregation, we're learning this. We have to take a stand. We have to stand on truth and justice. But many people don't want to be (laughs) confronted with truth. So it's risky. It comes with pushback. It, It comes with difficulties. It's never easy. But you have to take the step to get out of the box. A true God encounter requires a diligent effort 
initiative. Here we go. To depart from normalcy and the familiar, to depend, to lean on God. Moses would leave the familiar and pitch his tent outside the camp, where he would then seek the Lord. Exodus 33, starting at verse 7. Moshe would take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far away from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. This is the O.L. Moed, the Mishkan. And everyone who wanted to consult Adonai would go out to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would get up and stand, each man at his tent door, and look at Moshe until he had gone into the tent. Whenever Moshe entered the tent, the column of cloud would descend and station itself at the entrance to the tent, and Adonai would speak with Moshe. When all the people saw the column of cloud stationed at the entrance to the tent, they would get up and prostrate themselves, each man, at his tent door. Adonai would speak to Moshe face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Then he would return to the camp, but the young man who was his assistant, Yehoshua, Joshua, the son of Nun, never left the inside of the tent. Moses, Moshe, he took action. He had initiative. The Lord didn't command him to do this. He knew that in his relationship with the king, that he had to depart from the normal to see him. While at this place, the Lord would speak to Moshe as a friend, face to face. The enemy will deter you from your appointed time with very sly, subversive strategy called excuse. A million reasons for not doing what God has ordained. I don't like those people, Jonah. I don't have the money or resources, Yeshua's Talmudim in Luke 9 said, not supply Yeshua, fed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. I can't do it. Paul states in Philippians 4.13 that we can do all things through whom who gives us the power. I won't do it. King Saul in 1 Samuel 15, for rebellion is like the sin of sorcery, witchcraft, stubbornness like the crime of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of Adonai, he too has rejected you as king. All these excuses are the enemy's plan to remove you from God's will. Abraham gives another example of great kingdom initiative in Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he answered, Hineni, here I am. I'm obedient. I'm attentive. I'm willing to do whatever you instruct me to do. Verse 2, he said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. There you're to offer him as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will point out to you. Verse 3, Avraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and together with Yitzhak, his son, he cut the wood for the burnt offering, departed and went toward the place God had told him about. Listen, he took initiative. He didn't drag his feet. He didn't wait four or five days. He got up early and got about what God had told him to do. Pinchas is yet another biblical example of initiative and departure from the familiar. In Numbers 25, verses 1 through 8, Israel stayed at Shittim, and there the people began whoring with the women of Moab. These women invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, where the people ate and bowed down to their gods. Verse 3, with Israel, thus joined with Baal Por. The anger of Adonai blazed up against Israel. Verse 4, Adonai said to Moshe, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them facing the sun before Adonai, so that the raging fury of Adonai will turn away from Israel. 
Moshe said to the judges of Israel, each of you is to put to death those in his tribe who have joined themselves to Baal poor. Just then, in the sight of Moshe and the whole community of Israel, as they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting, a man from Israel came by, bringing to his family a woman from Midian. When Pinchas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the Cohen, saw it, he got up from the middle of the crowd, took a spear in his hand, and pursued the man from Israel right into the inner part of the tent, where he thrust his spear through both of them, the man from Israel and the woman through her stomach. Thus was the plague among the people of Israel stopped. Hey, listen, I'm not calling for you to go into the community with a spear. But look how God blessed the descendants of Pinchas. They had become the Kohanim, the priests. The plague of death was stopped by a man with heavenly initiative. God favors the one who will serve him with great initiative and fervency. 1 Samuel 17, verses 26 and 32. David said to the man standing with him, What reward will be given to the man who kills this Philistine? This is Goliath. and removes this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine anyway that he challenges the armies of the living God? In verse 32, David said to Shaul, King Saul, No one should lose heart because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Here again, David took the initiative. He's confident in the Lord. (laughs) Because his trust rests within him, he took action. Not waiting for funding, not waiting for a plan, not putting together a prayer group to see if he should do this or not, or the Lord to even explain the situation so David could understand better. He took action. 2 Kings 9, verses 6 through 13. And this is about the Jezebel killer, Jehu. Jehu got up and went into the house. Then the prophet poured the oil on his head and said to him, This is what Adonai, the God of Israel, says. I have anointed you king over the people of Adonai, over Israel. You'll attack the house of Ahab, Ahab, your master, so that I can avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and of all the servants of Adonai, the blood shed by Isabel, Jezebel. The entire house of Ahab will perish. I will cut off from Ahab every male, whether a slave or free in Israel. I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nevat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Achaia. Moreover, the dogs will eat Jezebel in the dumping ground of Jezreel, and there will be no one to bury her. Then he opened the door and fled. Jehu returned to the servants of his lord, and one of them said to him, Is everything all right? Why did this Meshuggah come to you? And he answered them, You know the kind and how they babble. They said, You're being evasive. Come on, tell us the truth. Then he said, This is exactly what he said to me and how he said it. Here's what Adonai says, I have anointed you king over Israel. At this, they hurried each one to take his cloak and put it under Jehu at the top of the stairs. Then they blew the shofar and proclaimed, Jehu is king. Jehu's friends heard the word of the Lord and took initiative. First, then the second, my favorite, Jehu immediately gets his chariot ready, and he goes to kill Joram. 2 Kings 9, verses 21 through 24. Harness my chariot, ordered Joram, and they got it ready. Then Joram, king of Israel, and Akaziah, king of Yehuda, Judah, each in his chariot, went out to meet Jehu. They met him in the field of Nevat, the Jezreel. And when Joram and Jehu said, Are you coming in peace, Jehu? He answered, Peace. With your mother Jezebel continuing all her cult prostitution and witchcraft? What a question. Joram wheeled around and fled, shouting, Treachery, Akaziah. And Jehu threw his bow with all of his strength and struck Joram between his shoulder blades. The arrow went through his heart, and he collapsed in his chariot. What a story.